0: Welcome into another School of Science Radio. I'm Gino Gallo. Joining me today, as it is the International Break, we have a host of guests with a bunch of different segments coming at you today. But to start off with this first segment, we have Chris and Calvin joining me for some discussion about the Everton Academy players. Guys, first off, how you doing today?
1: it's been it's been a long weekend but i'm ready to uh get back in the swing of club football um see if everton can make me happy and my my other favorite teams
2: yeah thanks for having me on gino um uh, yep like li- like chris there I'm, I'm i'm ready for club football again uh, but this is every international break you know how it goes
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely and you know there are plenty of points where it's not a lot, not a lot to talk about and and you know we have to Search for some things to, to kind of, um, look into, but the U23s, the academy players, always something good to actually look at and really give them some more, uh, attention. And we'll jump right into here, into it here, guys. And we'll start with, uh, you know, the U23s and who's really this year, uh, looks prime for a first team promotion from that U23s team. And, and Chris, we'll start with you. Who stands out to you as, as someone who's going to be uh, you know, getting a promotion to the first team uh, from the U23s?
1: Yeah, so it's kind of an interesting question because Everton have done a reasonably good job with this in the past couple of years. Even though guys like Mason Holgate and Dominic Calvert Lewin didn't come up directly through the Everton system, um, the, the club has done a, uh, an admirable job of getting them through the under 23s and up into the first team. But that seems like it's kind of tailed off. And the guy that I've been most excited about the last 6, 8, 12 months or so was um, Fraser Hornby, who's the Scottish forward and has just been scoring bucket loads of goals. And he, unfortunately, he uh, recently injured his ankle with the club, and it looks like um, he's had an operation and he's going to be out for a while. So that kind of pours a, a glass of cold water on top of my excitement there. Beyond him, you know, it's it's – I just – the the cupboard is looking a little bit bare, right? Because you get got guys like Brendan Galloway and Tyus Browning, who are probably never going to see the field again for the senior team. Uh, Matthews Hewitt, who looked like he was locked in as Everton's third goalkeeper and is not anymore. And he's almost uh, 23, I think. So outside of Hornby, I'm not really sure who, who can make the jump up at this point. It's it's a little bit dire.
0: Yeah. And, and, that's, you know, uh, part of the problem with the U23s right now. And, you know, a, a lot of times, you know, having a strong academy can really help building a culture and a team, something that Everton uh so desperately uh could use at this current time. Um But, Calvin, how about you? Who this year looks prime for first-team promotion, if anybody at this point?
2: So I've, I've got a couple of names who I, I, I think are playing quite well and are definitely... I think they're already probably training with the senior team like Hornby is. Um, One's Morgan Feeney, the center back. He's also the captain of the under-23s. Again, 19-year-old, bucket loads of potential. Um, You know, stop me if I get too excited because... Uh, Tyus Browning was in a similar situation, and Matthew Pennington before him was also. Hey, yeah, this is gonna be the new, new, new kid coming out at center back. He's got all the tools, um, but. Morgan Feeney's definitely, I think he's, you know, even from what uh, little under-23 football that we've been able to watch this season, he, he certainly has quite a bit of composure around him. Um, he does seem to be the kind of centre back that Silva would prefer. Um, you know, can play the ball uh, with his feet, is 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 great in the air, um, has has that uh, natural command of the of the box around him. Um, so again, let's see how the rest of his season uh, turns out. But, um, like I said, right now he's already training with the seniors. So that's all good experience for him. Um, another name that, uh, you know, we might look at and there's, I think, an opening for him uh, next season is the goalkeeper that we just signed from Arsenal this summer, Joao Virginia. Um, again, he's got quite a bit of experience, uh, from his Arsenal days. Uh, he's, he's been in Portugal's international setup on the youth side. Um, he's also training with the seniors and Stecklenburg, Again, um, from the performances we have seen from him this season, um, I, I don't know if it would be that big a drop off uh, having Virginia as Pickford's backup. So I'd, I'd, I'd be I'd be curious to see uh, if Virginia even um, if it even takes until the end of the season for him to make that step up into the senior squad.
1: Yeah, and so both of those names I tend to agree with, but the trouble that I think you get into again is one of squad size with the senior team. Because you've got Yeri Mina and Phil Jackie Elka coming back, and you look at Morgan Feeney and think, even if Everton have an injury at center back or even two injuries, he's probably not going to be able to get in there. Because uh, at last count, we've got five senior center backs or something like that. So maybe a candidate for a loan. In terms of Virginia, though, I completely agree. I don't really think that we need to see anything else out of Stecklenburg after his performance in the League Cup against Southampton. And here, you know, again, the trouble with going out in the League Cup is that's your prime place to give these these kids a shot, and now you're kind of running out of spots to do that. Yeah,
0: and that's, you know – like you said, those, those, those cup competitions are competitions that we can get those players who could use a little experience from the U23s um, into the lineup and falling out of that really puts us in a tough position with that. And it's, it's hard to see spots where we can actually fit in these uh players due to the size of the squad we have. And really, I think a lot of the depth that we have, I think we are, uh you know, for the first time in a, in a long time, I think we have a decent amount of um, depth at most positions or more depth than we're used to at most positions. But back to the U23s, Calvin, we'll go back to you on this. Who needs to go out on loan from the U23s that you're looking at right now?
2: So, again, I, I think Feeney and Hornby, um, if, if they're not going to make the senior squad next season, I, I don't think there's anything left for them to prove in the under-23 or in the Premier League too they might as well go to uh, you know a championship side or i mean I, it might be too soon for even a, a smaller premier league team so yeah I'd, I'd love to see them get get regular game time play 38 40 games a season and get into that grind and um, get you know get used to what what it's going to take at that competition level
0: yeah chris
2: yeah so I was looking at a different
1: name even than that, but uh, also a center back is Lewis Gibson, who we signed maybe 18 months ago, somewhere around there from Newcastle with, frankly, a lot of fanfare. We kind of chased him for a little while, and he was highly regarded, and he's coming to the under-23s, and it kind of disappeared. I mean, I know he's gotten game time, but you haven't really heard anything of his great accomplishments or training with the seniors or anything like that. And I think if you have – a a budding star on your hands at any position, 18, 19 years old, they should be making some noise by now. So I think I'd like to see what Lewis Gibson can do at a kind of a higher level. Um, Elsewhere. I think Basala Sambu has done everything he can do at the under 23 level, kind of a wide forward. Um, We've seen him score some, some really impressive goals, but the thing about him is he's 21 already. And if he doesn't get some some real experience under his belt, I don't know that there's much left for him here either.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how some of these younger players uh, really pan out. As we've talked about on podcasts before, that's it's really been a troubling part for us getting these players to transition from the U23s to the first team, whether it be by sending them out at loan and bringing them back in the first team or, or just promoting them straight from the U23s. But it'll be interesting to see how, how, uh, all of that plays out. But I think we can all agree that there are some guys who just are not making it and will not have a chance really to play for these, for the first team ever, uh, because either they're getting too old or we've seen enough from them to realize that they aren't, um, you know, a part of this, going to be a part of this team in the future. So Chris, yeah. Chris, who do you see? Who do you have that's getting, you know, that can probably be binned, uh, after this year?
1: Uh, So my first choice will be David Unsworth. I think he can go. Oh, is that not the question? (laughs) Um, That's a hobby horse. I know we've talked about that before. Um, No, but I think that Harry Charsley is a name that has been – he's gotten actually a few senior team um, appearances and is still somehow stuck at uh, the uh, under-23 level. He's about to turn 22 on November the 1st. And, you know, you've got 22-year-old midfielders – playing all over the Premier League at this point. Kieran Dowell is younger than that. Tom Davis is younger than that. Benny Beningamy is younger than that. Um, You would have thought if we were going to see something out of Harry Charsley, we would have done that by now. And I think that his development has probably peaked.
2: Calvin? So uh, just on that Unsworth topic, though, um, Everton are again on top of Premier League two. And – so, see, that, that, that's, a, that's an interesting situation that Marcel Brands gets put in, right? Um, obviously, tactically, there is only so much that Unsworth is going to impart on his youngsters. I mean, we have seen his, his limited ability in that area. But at the youth level, he's still getting it done, right? Everton, again, are leading uh, Premier League 2. Um, again, who knows how the season's going to end. So on what grounds does he cut Unsworth? Well, this is kind of the, um, the,
1: the question, right? Because I'm kind of of the mind that winning games and winning your league at that age is not really the point. Mm-hmm. And so I'd rather see the players get developed properly and really taught the intricacies of the game on a tactical okay. level. Because, you know, if you're in a Premier League academy – at the age that these players are, you're obviously talented physically. You don't need to teach these players that they need to go to the gym or they need to run harder or faster, that kind of thing. I'm not, and maybe this is a little bit blasphemous, but I'm not particularly arsed whether or not they win the league at that level.
2: Yeah, Yeah. that's fair enough. Sorry, go ahead, Gino.
0: No, no, I was just going to say the same thing. It's, it's a fair point just because, We look at the first team and that's what gets most of the recognition, most of the attention. And and obviously our goal is to build those players up to be able to play on the first team or not all of them, obviously, because that's just not realistic. But in the end, have a good amount of those players be able to come out of that academy. Yeah.
2: So I think there's an interesting thing that uh Brands uh, said right at the end of the transfer window uh when all the players who were going out on loan went out. Brands called out that basically with the senior squad, my work here is done for now. I am going to go focus on the youth. And I thought that was very interesting because, you know, one of the things we've talked about previously is that I think Unsworth's success, and to some level, Paul Tate with the under-18s, his success needs to be measured not necessarily on how many PL2 or under-18 Premier League titles they win, but how many players that they've nurtured have made it into either the Everton senior side or in the Premier League in general. So I do wonder if if that is something, you know, Brands is actively thinking about and... You know, maybe putting that performance metric when he's looking at Unsworth and to a lesser extent Tate and saying, hey, are these the right people to lead our youth sides?
1: I do. I do think that's an interesting question. And I also thought it was a little bit intriguing that outside of um, Jal, Virginia, they didn't really bring in anyone to the under 23 side. This summer, which you saw a lot of that last summer with yeah. Lewis Gibson and Nathangelo Markello and all these kinds mm-hmm. of things. But if, you know, I just kind of wonder if Brands is looking at guys like Kieran Dowell and even Adam Ola-Lukman who played there to an extent and thinking this is not really what I'm looking for in terms of the finished product at the senior side. And maybe that's why he didn't get anybody in over the summer. He's just thinking that, this is going to be a bigger project than I originally anticipated. I'm going to have to just kind of shelve it for a, for a couple of months until I can really concentrate on. It. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I think I personally, uh, you know, I I think that the first team obviously is always the biggest concern for anyone coming into that position. Um, and obviously you have to build up, you know, the culture and build up those players. But one of the things that Brands did do to, uh, you know, I guess kind of. Uh, make up for not signing those younger players was sign younger players that fit into the first team, like the 24 year olds, 25 year olds, the Gary Mina's, yeah. the the those type players, so that we do have some youth in the squad and it can be serviceable until we can work on that that those U23s and bringing in those younger players to come up through the system and whatnot. So I think that while he didn't focus as much on the U23s, I think I think it ends up. Working out and, and I think that the players he brought in for focusing on the first team was, was the right decision ultimately rather than worrying about those, those younger players. But one player who's between the first team and u 23s kind of hanging in the balance a little bit. We've seen a lot of, a little bit of them last year, hoping to see more of them this year. Um, as we said on this podcast is Benny Benning wasn't in the team photo, uh, recently you guys read anything into this? Where does he fit into this team when he comes back? And Chris, we'll start with you.
1: So I'm a little bit of a conspiracy theorist here. I'm, I am i am going to read a little bit into this uh, because Benny got put in the injury report that Everton released earlier in the week where they were like, oh, all these players played in the 60-minute training game, James McCarthy, Yerry Mina, Andre Gilms, Phil Jagielka, and Benny Benigami. So you kind of looked at it and thought, oh okay, consider Benny to be a part of the first team setup, and then he's not around for the team photo? Like, what what's going on here? I Obviously, they probably consider him to be bes- behind Idrissa Gay and Morgan Schneiderlin and Andre Gomes, and that's fine. But I think that it's interesting because Benny's stylistically a really good fit for the role that Tom Davis has been playing. And from the evidence that I have, I think Benny's probably a better player than Tom. So I I don't know you know maybe he Benny was sick or he just had to take a piss or whatever the case may be but I would I would have liked to see Benny in that picture rather than not having seen him in there
0: Calvin
2: Yeah yeah I I I, I'm torn you know I, I hey who doesn't love a good conspiracy right but um. I, you know, I, I'd, I'd hate to see him sent back to the under 23s, but at the same time, having missed as much time as he has with his injury, because he hasn't played this season at all, then right. does it make sense for him to just go back and get some regular game time, which he's not going to get at the senior side, even if Ghana is injured? Um, because he, again, with, with, with Gomes entering the squad now, there is, there is a bit of a logjam in that. Whole midfield area, so then you know does Benny just need to go back to the under 23s? But I, you know, if he was intentionally left off, I'd say that's a little disrespectful considering he's been part of a senior squad setup um, from the summer onwards and you know towards the end of last season too. So it's uh, it's interesting. I I, I don't know. Uh, we I I'll I look for most more, more signs of. Him becoming part of the under 23 squad, or you know, not seeing him in training videos over the next couple of weeks before before I'd say definitively that, um, hey, you know what, maybe maybe he's getting uh, you know relegated a little bit.
1: Well, and just to veer off topic for a minute, I think there's an argument to be made that if both players are healthy, Ben Benigni can contribute more to this team than James McCarthy can.
2: Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I mean, what 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 really does James McCarthy at this point bring? I mean, I again, even without his injury issues, he is a limited passer. He is not offensively going to add anything, and that is if if we had to pinpoint what our biggest need in that midfield area is, is that we need that spark of creativity. And Mr. McCarthy is not it.
1: Right. You're looking for a kind of a ball progressor to get the ball up to Richarlison and walk right. on those guys. And it's not McCarthy. Although what I will say is, uh, um, wouldn't mind giving James a spin at the backup right back position after what we've seen from John Doe the last couple of <laughs> weeks. He has played there before. Yes, he has.
2: <laughs> as, as has best message
1: to Yeah, say, we can, uh recall Mo <laughs> message from Middlesbrough. <laughs> um,
0: well guys. It was, uh, it was good talking with you guys about the U23 is always to get, uh, good to get them some attention as they are a significant part of this, uh, this club. Calvin, thanks for joining us this week. We'll talk to you soon. Chris, we're going to, uh, move on to this next segment. We'll talk to you in a little bit, but we're going to go into some mailbag, mailbag questions now with, uh, Adam and, uh, Brian Foley. So Calvin. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you soon.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me on.
0: Now moving into the uh, mailbag questions a little bit. Bring on Adam and Brian Foley, guys. Thanks for joining me here today. Um, And let's get really right into it with the first question right here. And uh, Foley, we'll start with you. The question is, how many slash which Everton players will finish the EPL season with five or more goals? And then that same question for assists, Foley. What do you think? Hey,
3: how's it going, Gina? Thanks for having me back on.
0: Going well. Happy to have you.
3: Hey. Uh, well, first off, uh, let's hear it for Dilsey Sigurdson for already qualifying. Yay! But, uh, yay! Right? <laughs> can we get? Can, can we make a trophy? I want a trophy. Um, the five goal trophy. <laughs> I will take anything that is shiny at this point if it has Everton <laughs> involved.
4: Um
3: uh so he's gonna pick up five uh goals. I think for Charleston we'll score five. Uh Sia will score five. Uh and then uh you know we can we can talk more about the forwards, but um uh, you know, Gilfie's goals have already proven to be quite a difference maker. Uh for us it was it's really feels like what we were hoping for 12 months ago. Um but uh but I, I definitely think Gilfie, Charles and Theo are uh, are lots for sure.
0: Yeah, I, I
4: I agree there um and I think that you've kind of you kind of left off there at the the point that's the interesting one where we're looking at the the two out-and-out out strikers in the team right now in uh, in Tozin and, uh, and Calvert-Lewin. My inclination is to say that one of them will get to five. Uh, I don't know which one, because I don't know which one Silva prefers at this point. Frankly, I don't know which one I prefer at this point. Um, but I don't see uh, – maybe you disagree – I don't see us rolling – Richarlison out at striker for, you know, another 25, 30, however many games are left in this season. Uh, I think he'll get more looks there, uh, after the way that, that the last match went. But I think that one of those two guys, uh, is still going to get, get decent time up front. And well, if anything is going to go well the rest of the season, then I think we need one of those two guys to get to five. So let's pretend that they will. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and, and I think Dom already has two on the season, right? Uh, oh, and not EPL goals though. That was in the, uh, that was in the cup game. But either way, uh, I think, I think I agree with you. I think that, uh, we're, uh, I think, I think we probably see one of those guys get two, five or more goals, uh, which is good because, you know, a couple years ago, spreading those goals out was something that I don't think it, it, it was something that we were worried about, uh, you know, with Lukaku and, Having him scoring all the goals and
4: right, and I mean and, that's what that's what Ronald Koeman talked about, you know, all before last season was that idea yeah. that we were going to bring in, you know, bring in players that were going to spread the scoring around. And well, <laughs> we you know we know where Ronald is right now, and we know where David Klassen is right now, and you know the whole nine. But it's nice to see where obviously that idea that he had that that's the direction that this team needed to be going in was right. It's nice to see somebody actually friggin' execute
0: on that. Yeah, absolutely. And now moving to the second part of the question: Do you guys see uh, any guys on this team having five assists or more? Um, and if so, who? And Adam will start with you.
4: Uh, yeah, I think I think there's probably two for me that health uh health withstanding are probably locks. One is going to be Gilfy. Um, what's he got? Uh, he's already got one this year. Um, his creative stats are, you know, off the charts, especially when you consider how few touches he got earlier in the season and that he's been getting more and more involved. So I think he's a no brainer. Uh, the other one I think probably does, uh, based on what we've seen from him early is Bernard. Um, just because he's so friggin' slippery out on that left wing, uh, that I think we're going to see a few more instances of exactly the sort of goal that he created, uh, last week uh again and again and hopefully that would get him to five. And the the other one that is a maybe for me and I'm curious what you think, Brian, is uh is Theo Walcott, who I think has gotten a little bit neglected at times this season because of the the good starts that Gilfie and Richarlison and now Bernard have gotten off to. But Theo's also already got two assists. Uh do you think do you see him picking up three more the rest of the way and getting to five?
3: uh let me just start off by saying i uh i wanna pitch my uh my podcast right here uh who's starting at Center forward for everton uh I'm pretty sure that that's gonna become a weekly topic yeah we could just spend hours every day or every week just dissecting it uh but I do think theo's gonna get uh his assist. um just the the style of play and, and like you said he's he's kind of quietly just just really actually lived up to exactly what people were hoping for, I think, when the uh, best-case scenario when we signed him. And uh, I, I feel like Everton fans are just quietly just, you know, just like, let, let's let him be. You know, we'll get excited about Charleston. Don't talk about him. You know, he's, he's made of glass. Let's let him keep playing. Uh, but I think he gets three. And I think Lucas Digne is going to get uh, get up there as well. Yeah, he's um, already got I one, think. and I thought about that as well. Yeah, especially hopefully with Yerimina getting in there. Uh, you know, obviously Gilfield will be on set piece duty, but uh, you know, I still think that uh, Digne and, and then I I also think uh, Tosin is going to be a lock for five because he's he's sure to get ten to fifteen more starts and. Uh, I know he's got already got at least one league It's just got two. Not two yeah and 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 the way that our style of play has really turned out he uh you know he, he does have the ability to to hold the ball up and be creative at times um that yeah. that 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 has not been his his struggle point. I think that's why fans haven't gotten on his back too much as well is uh is that they've appreciated that uh you know ultimately we don't sign number nines for uh for eight eight assist seasons. That's not what he's on the field for entirely, but uh but I do think he'll find a few more because he he has a good pass for the ball, he has a good eye, um, you know, and uh he just can't really keep up with Theo and Richarlison all the time. So uh but but I think uh DNA and, and uh Tosin are both are both gonna get a good four to five.
0: You know I, sure. I think if I think if Schenck stays on the field
4: if he starts another 10 to 15 games yeah i think he gets three more assists this season as you have just alluded to in your brand new podcast that i assume you're going to be taking elsewhere <laughs> uh i don't i don't know if if he gets 10 to 15 more starts i uh, i right i'm not i'm not willing to commit to that right now is is all i uh all I'll say to that, if he does, if he starts 15 more games, I think he's a lot to get three assists in, you know, in those games. Uh, but I could see him feasibly starting maybe only five to ten more in a world not so different from our own. Uh, and at that point, then, it starts
0: to get a little dicey. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see how, uh, you know, how the assists play out, especially with Soon, just because of we're not even sure how many starts or, or how much playing time he's going to get soon. But thanks to, uh, at 513 Brett, Brett Schneider for that question. Uh, and now with our next question, it's at Matt Clevy, Matt Clevy, uh, with this question. He asked, uh, still early in the season, but given his solid performances, do you think Everton will try and buy Zuma at the end of the year, even though there isn't a clause in his loan deal? Can he unseat anyone at Chelsea? Um, said he seems to fit into Silva's system well. Brian, let's go to you on this one first.
3: Uh, And I am sure that uh, Adam is as prepared as I am for this one. Um, We've been talking about this a bit. Let's just first say that Silva, I think, has been great. Um, Mm -hmm. It's been odd to see a center back play with with some level of confidence and uh, to, to have him actually sitting there knocking the ball around with Dine and and uh, looking all the uh, all the bit of an actual Premier League center back, we've kind of lost what that looks like, feels like for a few seasons. Um, thank God I don't have to watch Ashley Williams play soccer anymore. Um, <laughs> Ashley Williams hasn't been playing soccer
4: for a long time now. If we're being I don't know what he's doing, but it's
3: not that. Uh, no, but um, but really, I I I, want, I do think that. Everton are going to be interested in signing Zuma. But the kicker here is he signed with Chelsea for another five seasons. He signed with till twenty twenty three. Um Christensen is signed, uh Andres Christensen is signed till twenty twenty two, as well as Rüdiger. So they've got three center backs that Chelsea signed. Um and right now they're they're playing with David Louise, so I'm confused. Adam. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, I, I think you you have raised
4: an important names here uh, antonio rudiger uh christensen and david Luis and just to for the for the record yeah I think uh current form withstanding I think everton you know pursues trying to get Kurt Zumo on an apartment, and I don't even think that that's really going to be in doubt. it's a question of whether Chelsea's going to be willing to sell um uh, Gary Cahill is also still on Chelsea, apparently. That's that's what the internet just told me anyway. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't he is that, a human being who plays soccer, yes. Again, <laughs> soccer, airports, soccer. maybe. Not to the Ashley Williams extent, but I digress. Um, but you would expect, <laughs> as you said, Brian, that Rudiger, Christensen, and, and Louise at this point uh, represent one through three in in Sari's mind as their center backs uh, in some order. Um, I love David Luiz. David Luiz is my favorite player to watch uh, as a neutral if it's a game that I have no investment in because you literally never know what he's going to do. He might put in the best defensive performance you've ever seen in your life. He might kick a guy in the face three minutes into the game and get sent off. He might score a ridiculous own goal. He might power a free kick from 40 yards out. You just never know but also not the point. <laughs> um,
0: yeah. I, well, I, I I think, guess.
4: I think that oh, Chelsea sorry. does not, I, I don't think Chelsea wants to part with Kurt Zuma if he continues to play as well for us as he has this season. I think ultimately, sorry, probably says, well, David Luis, thanks. But I've now got, I've now kind of got my guys in Rudiger, Christensen and, and Zuma and, rolls with that. Uh Luis turns thirty two this season, so you'd have to imagine probably getting to the end of his rope. Um and I think that Chelsea probably sees Zuma as at worst their number three guy, which if they finish top four this year is an important position going into the Champions League next season.
3: Yeah, I guess and, what's odd. Oops, I'm sorry. No you know, go go uh, what's odd though, I guess, is that and you know this is a uh, another obviously a uh, a long topic uh people far smarter than I can go into, which is Christensen hasn't been playing very much, which is you know if he is seen as the future, it'll be interesting uh you know how that that's explained to him uh hey, hang out here while we let sideshowbab uh play for one more season, and then um we'll uh we'll get him back in, and then uh let's also not forget Matt Miazga. I just want to throw that out there. America does have good soccer players. I'm,
4: um, I'm trying to, <laughs> after the way that uh, their last friendly went, I'm trying to forget about Matt Miazga,
3: but thanks. Good good talk, though. <laughs> again, again, he met the criteria of a center back who is on Chelsea's uh, pay list. That, that's a long list. I, I, I will give you that. But just, you never know. He's on the books, I think, for another uh, year or two. So who knows? <laughs> Yeah,
0: it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. You know, one thing we mentioned almost on every podcast is how we never really noticed Zuma and that's a good thing for, uh, center backs. He's been terrific for this, for us this year, but when you play that well, when you're on loan, the, uh, parent club doesn't typically want to give you away easily, um, unless they have absolutely no room for you. And that doesn't seem like it's going to be the case for Chelsea. So. It's going to be a difficult one if we do want to get him back on a permanent after this season. But moving on to our final question here, guys, from at P underscore Fortenberry, that's uh, Paul Fortenberry. He asked, do we have the team to challenge fifth or sixth this year? Um, Adam, let's start uh, start off with you for this uh, loaded question.
4: <laughs> so I think, you know, if if we're going to, talk about this you first got to talk about everybody else around and then we can talk about what kind of talent is at Everton so if you're looking at the top the top six city and uh city and Liverpool at this point are untouchable they're pretty clearly I think uh teams one and two even though Chelsea's ahead of Liverpool uh in the table right now then you've got uh Chelsea and Tottenham who are probably the next best two teams uh Maybe there's a little bit of wiggle room, uh, but I don't think that those are catchable teams for Everton either. Uh, and then you've got, you know, some of the early season weirdos up there, Bournemouth in sixth, Wolves in seventh, uh, both of whom who have, have, have played well in no disrespect to them, but I don't think anybody expects that to be something that, that carries out to the rest of the season. So uh, to me, if you're going to talk, uh, talk top, top five, top six, uh, the question becomes probably, probably, uh, can you beat out one of Arsenal or uh, Manchester United? Uh, which is an interesting question, and I'll throw it to Brian there. Let's see what he thinks.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh, man. Uh, um, I will say that a few weeks ago, I maybe thought that we could have caught Arsenal, however, Everton showed up and gave them just the boost and confidence they needed mm-hmm. um and uh you know in a match that we we surely should have won up by a goal or two um and And now, I'm not so sure because as much as i as many flaws as Arsenal does have in their back line, they have a number of people that I would love to see wearing an everton jersey uh up top uh <laughs> From Lacazette to Obama Young. they they have talent up there that that really was the difference when we played them, and, and I think will be the difference in in us being able to consistently get into the top. And and so I I actually just kind of scoured the internet for some some other you know objective views here, and um, and I was on who scored, and and they list Everton's strengths as attacking set pieces. We're very strong, which is such a nice thing to say that that's the ultimate you uh, you have a nice uh, you have a great personality uh, we're we're great at attacking we're we're very strong at attacking down the wings another great we're fast um stealing the ball from the opposition also very strong uh so not exactly in the in in the great thing in our weaknesses defending the counterattack okay yes. understandable and then two which i think maybe define our season Avoiding individual area or individual errors, we are very weak.
4: (laughs) Well, we have been playing Mason Holgate a lot the last season and a half. (laughs) So, I mean,
3: he's out uh, now. So that that, okay, I'll I'll be quiet. (laughs) (laughs) And this has been your Adam. This has been your weekly reminder that Adam really dislikes Mason Holgate. Um, And our other and the thing that we are very weak in protecting the lead. Uh, and, And I think we've already given away probably. 4 to 6 points this season that you know may maybe won't won't be backbreakers for us because of where we fall but but already set the table for for being a team that I don't know can consistently find the wins especially when we when we don't perform well um we're a team that has to perform well to win um now that that doesn't go for you know that, that's not entirely perfect and I'm I'm sure we'll we'll find something ugly here or there um, but giving up two goal leads while up a player, things like that, um, just, you know, they're not indicative of a team that, that's, that's finishing fifth or sixth and one of the most competitive, if not the most competitive, uh, you know, league in the world. So, um, I, I, I don't see us finishing, uh, fifth or sixth. Now, Manchester United could just absolutely sink like a, a rock if, if things go poorly, um, but eventually they'll play us, and I'm sure that we'll give them the boost that they need. Um, if, <laughs> but uh, but otherwise, yeah, I, I I would love to see it there. And, and I think the talent is slowly getting to a level, and I, I think at times you'll see glimpses of a team that, you know, and we may even see two or three games in a row where, we'll, hey, this team could really compete, and then uh, they'll do Everton things, and then we'll remind ourselves that, you know, Seventh or eighth and uh seventh or eighth with the purpose this season will be uh <laughs> it's a it's a low bar, but one that I think fans would be happy to to get over,
4: yeah, and I think you know we would all love to
3: to finish fifth or
4: sixth, but i think if we you know if we managed to finish seventh this year and felt like okay, you know things are moving in the positive direction that's that's still um a big step forward. The the only thing that I will say about both Arsenal and Man United, I think that United within the next month will sack Mourinho. Someone will come on board who will let loose their attackers and they're gonna be fine. Um I think Mourinho is actively dragging that team down with the way that he wants to play given the center backs that he has. Um and so I don't see us catching United. Arsenal I know has been hot, but I just I just don't believe them. I just do not believe that 18 points through eight matches and 19 goals through eight matches is the real Arsenal. And the the analytics seem to agree with me on that. Um. So, like I said, Arsenal has scored 19 goals this season. Uh, Their XG up to this point, their expected goals is 10.4. So they're outperforming mm. their XG by eight and a half. Now – as you've rightly said, Brian, there are some good strikers on that team. Uh There aren't 8.5 goals, literally out, outperforming your XG by a goal a game, worth of good strikers on that team. So I think they're due for a dip, Um, whether or not that's a big enough dip for a team like us or a team like Wolves or Bournemouth or whomever to catch them, time will tell. I, uh, yeah, I agree. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
3: Go ahead, I, I, no, go ahead. I was going to add one caveat if there's one thing that I think could push us would be the acquisition of a true uh game changer in the midfield in january if we could get somebody that would really reshape the team and get us into more of a a, a balanced uh midfield and, and can really change things and, and, and I emphasize that because you know we're talk, i'm talking about a player who you know will possibly moves this at the table but i but if if i were to say something could really Get me more positive about that notion would be a strong finish through the the busy season in December and then an early acquisition of a, of a midfielder who can really change, uh, change the team. But, but, uh, but otherwise, yeah, it's going to be a tough stretch.
0: Yeah, I think, I think I agree with you guys. We're seventh and eighth is something that we're probably looking at right now. I think that we're moving in the right direction. The players See it still seems no you know through these first uh first few games these first uh couple months that we have a team a base and now we just need to build on top of that and we need so, some more additions i don't know if the talent that we have right now this year uh in this first year is something that will prove to be uh good enough to get to that fifth or sixth um but i think in coming years probably possibly maybe even probably next year uh, will be a season where we should be, should be fighting for that spot. But guys, thanks for coming on for the mailbag. Stick, uh, you're sticking with us. Uh, Brian, thanks so much for joining us as always, and we look forward to talking to you again.
3: Hey, thanks a lot. Uh, you guys have a good one. You too. Thank you,
0: Brian. All right. And we're bringing back Chris for this final segment here with Adam. It's going to be just to clear it up for you guys, myself. Chris and Adam to close this one off and uh we're kind of just gonna talk about clean up some of the little stories, some of the stories that came across over the international break. And we'll start off with one that is uh more interesting and uh if by interesting you mean dumb. Yeah, <laughs> speculative, I guess you could say, looking for a lead. Um looking for something up, that isn't there. I've queued uh, up the left track.
1: You guys ready? <laughs>
0: To soon, yes, no. possibly, according to reports that came out, To soon going to Besiktas and us going in for Divorc Origi. Um, yeah, no. Uh, I think you guys can agree on this. No. no, <laughs> uh, It's going to be a
1: hard pass for me. Uh, Liverpool, uh, Divorc Origi is actually still stuck at Liverpool because he's not very good. Um, he's kind of, and I. I am guilty of making these cheap comparisons on the regular, but he's a little bit of striker Mason Holgate in that he looks so good, right? He's big, he's strong, he's fast, and he's just terrible.
0: Yeah. Yeah, There was a, go ahead. ahead, Gino. No, there was a point where I believe for Belgium in the 2014 world cup, Origi came on for Lukaku and, and was a replacement for Lukaku. And, was someone who was looking to take over Lukaku and and something that there was a lot of promise behind through this, this young kid, big, tall, strong, uh, but nothing really transformed out of there. And Adam, I'm interested to hear uh, what you got to say on this.
4: That's funny. I was going to bring up the exact same point. We're on the same page. Uh, it, it, <laughs> but from a slightly different angle, um, yeah, Origi, kind of the thing that, that ultimately kind of pushed Origi uh, onto Liverpool's radar was was that quote unquote performance, you know, for for Belgium in the 2014 World Cup. Um, my memory, at least, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I, I wasn't really that impressed with him. Um, remember, I believe he started the game against the United States, where Belgium somehow didn't score despite just kicking us repeatedly in the face. Um, <laughs> Respect
1: to Tim Howard.
4: Obviously respected know, Tim is. Howard, of course, who stood on his head that day. But, I mean, also, if you're dominating as much as they were, you should probably find a way to beat a quickly aging goalkeeper. Not the point. I um, think
1: that was also probably the first time that I, and maybe you guys, too, watched uh, Kevin De Bruyne.
4: Oh, that's a good call. <laughs> <So> yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. Um But so, so that, that's kind of what put Origi on the map, except that uh, he he shouldn't have been starting. There's just no way. Uh, Lukaku was obviously the better striker, and Mark Wilmots, who was managing the Belgium team at that time and somehow kept his job through Euro 2016, he has got to be one of the worst international managers I've ever seen in my life because he Roberto really – Roberto
1: Martinez made him look good? As,
4: <laughs> or or, or, yeah, he's he has made Roberto Martinez right, look correct. like a genius for literally playing a system that has Yannick Carrasco as a wingback. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I don't ever think that I thought Bivak Origi was actually good. Um, and the way that things have gone for him of late, uh, <laughs> kind of seems to support that. He, uh, he was on loan at Wolfsburg last year, played 31 matches, uh, six goals, two assists. So it's not, you know, it's not life altering. Um, he had seven goals in 34 appearances for Liverpool in 2016-17. Uh, and even his last year at Lille, uh, 33 appearances, and that's um, as the starter primarily played almost 2,200 minutes, eight goals, um, and that's in the French leagues. Obviously, that's a, a ways ago, and he was a baby then. But no, I don't want Divacarigi.
1: Well, and the the, the subtexts and the, kind of the underlining point to me to this was just absurd rumor. Is that I don't really want to have anything to do with getting rid of Chink Tassoon. I kind of like the guy.
4: Yeah, and that's, that, that is the, uh, the other angle. It's, uh, and I mean, you'd have to say it at this point, uh, as, as we were just, uh, just talking with Brian about how our, you know, our new spinoff podcast is who's going to start at center forward for Everton this weekend. Um, I,
1: not Divac Arigi.
4: Not oh. Divac <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I wouldn't put Arigi ahead of Dominic Calvert Lewin. Oh, and no, I, I don't even think it's particularly close. No. Um, so, I, I, you know, I think that there will be, I don't think that the selling Schenk rumors are going to go away as long no. as uh Richarlison is getting regular minutes at striker. Not that I necessarily think that means we will or won't sell him, but those rumors are here to stay if he's not getting regular minutes. Uh,
2: I I will
1: I will provide something of a kind of an additional uh, free of charge extra take and that totally. is I do think that uh Umar Nias's time is coming to an end.
4: Yeah. Yeah, there's just if if Richarlison's a striker and we know Chenk is a striker and and we know Dom's a striker Sorry, lad. We all love Umar. Yeah,
1: but I mean, I like you said, I love the guy, and he's he's done some memorable things. He was single-handedly saved Ronald Koeman's job at at least one point last year, maybe two, um, with his two goals against Bournemouth. But like, he has more limitations than the rest of the attackers on the team.
0: Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I think we can all. It's all safe. This all of us. Uh, seem to agree that Origi has no spot on this team. And I, I agree that that Tosun really – I mean, yes, he hasn't been scoring the goals, but he's he's there, he's serviceable, and, and has done good things off the ball. He just needs to get going uh, in terms of, uh, you know, getting those goals and putting those balls in the back of the net. And,
1: and hopefully not, not he get on that mark. Not to drag this out, but, like, uh, there's also the absurdity of buying a player from Liverpool – not that I, not that I would necessarily even be opposed to that in a vacuum, but it's not happened in a hot minute.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. Exactly. So, a lot in that rumor seems to be a a a bit of a reach. Um, we can all agree on that. But talking about some guys who are actually on the team right now, um, reportedly and, and repo- reportedly on the team right now, we haven't actually seen them on the field ourselves but uh Gomes and Mina art will be back uh according to reports uh should be back in the lineup or or at least in contention for the lineup as we move on this week what does this really mean we had uh one of our own uh, uh one of our very own uh, Matthew Chandler i believe wrote this article wrote an article about it earlier um today and spoke about it but what does this really mean for us as we move forward here and how do they really fit in this team and Adam, we'll start with you.
3: Uh,
4: let's, uh, you know, not neither neither of them is really an easy answer. Um, I'll start with Mina because I think that's the easier answer, um, which is I don't think he'll get rushed back. Uh, as we've talked about, I think we've been impressed with Zuma. Um, I think Michael Keane has done well enough to keep a place for a little bit here. Um, you know, we've talked about that it's it's been the, Momentary individual errors, um, in defense. And it's not necessarily even come from those guys at center back. You know, last, last game it was, it was John Joe Kenny. Um, but it's, you know, it's been all over the place. Uh, I, I think Mina is still probably a week or two out from realistically challenging either of those guys for a spot. I think he'll be on the bench. He'll be the first option off the bench, but he's not, I don't think, immediately gonna gonna get a place here with the way that those two have played. Um Chris, do yeah. you you kind of agree on Mina there?
1: I do, and Matthew's conclusion in his article today was that Gomes is more likely to come in first, which which I agree with, and I think that there's a ready made spot for Gomez against um you know kind of replacing Tom Davis and not that you know I've ragged on Tom more than anybody over the last two or three years but Tom's done a decent enough job the last couple of weeks but he still has has his issues and Gomes if there was one thing that Andre Gomes was good at coming from Barcelona is that he moves the ball with uh with consistency and you know Maybe I or Adam or Gino could move the ball with consistency in that Barcelona midfield, but it's still something to look for. And that I think it's probably going to be an improvement over Davis. And I think I would like to see that before I would like to see uh, Kurtzuma and Michael Keane broken up.
4: Yeah, and the, the one thing that I will say about Andre um, is that you, you know you're right about what what his ultimate you know strength is and, and what he brings to the team. I, I'm just at, at this point I'm not sure. That Silva wants or feels like he might need that guy in the center of midfield because in the last couple of weeks he's had such success just mucking it up in there with Ghana and, and Tom running around wreaking havoc, winning the ball and just doinking it out wide. Um, you know, yeah, we've, and- we've really made our living not, not playing through the central channel so far. And now that it's started to pay off. Uh, I'm not sure that he's going to immediately be looking to change that that game plan, and I think if you bring Andre in, uh, you may that may come with a change. So I don't know if we see that in it, uh, immediately either.
1: Well, and the the interesting thing there to me is maybe you don't look to replace Tom Davis. Maybe you look for Gomes to spell guilty on occasion, even if that's not his best position. I think it's clear that Kieran Dowell has struggled in his limited first team appearances and it Marco may be thinking that he needs to go back out on loan in January, which I would not disagree with at all.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I think the situation we have here um, with Mina, it, it's kind of rolling with the hot hand back there, Uh you know, rolling with who's hot and, and keen and Zuma have been hot. And I think until they, you know, Show any signs of that not being the case. You got to stick with them because chemistry, especially in that center back pairing is so important for Gomes. Like you said, like you guys both touched on, it's an interesting point because behind Gilfi, that center midfield pairing is, is pretty up in the air. I don't think that there's any two players that have performed well enough together. Uh, you know, obviously Ghana is someone that we'll, we'll see week in and week out. But that that partner that he has in in the field, uh, it'll certainly be interesting to see if Gomes can add anything. And and Adam, you mentioned how we haven't really been playing through the center channels. Be interesting to see if um, that is just the case of us, you know, playing teams like Fulham or or, or Leicester that may not have as much um, talent as some of the better teams we're playing, and see if maybe I, I would like to see Gomes get maybe some time out there this weekend. Um, so we can see what he's got and what he can really provide to this team in the center of the pitch before we go take on Manchester United, uh, the week after.
1: So one of the things that this conversation about midfielders reminded me of was the early in the week rumors that Everton were going to give, uh, Samir Nazari a trial in a couple of weeks with the idea to sign him on a free in January. Um, I don't know what you guys think about that, but I, I found, that, I think it came across the wire on Thursday or Friday, and I was tired, and I just kind of threw it out. But it, it does appear to have some legs, and would kind of play into that idea that Kieran Dowell is is not ready yet.
4: I, uh, you know, I, I get the the idea there, um, uh, you know, and it's it's reasonable to say, you know, Dowell's not ready. I just uh, I don't want Samir Nasri anywhere near my team. Um, and that's not even necessarily, uh, a hundred percent, you know, football related. Um, he just, uh, strikes me as a problem child. And I just don't know if whatever upgrade, uh, upgrade he provides, uh, over Dowell or Andre at the 10 or just going with two up top or, you know, whatever. I don't know if that upgrade is enough to take on the potential headache. That could be incurred by having him on the team,
1: right? And I understand there's going to be like this temptation to say, "Well, it's a free agent from Turkey. We just signed a free agent from Ukraine, and he's been really good." Well, uh, Bernard's also five years younger, has played for the Brazilian national team relatively recently, and is not coming with all the baggage that Samir Nasri comes with.
0: Yeah,
3: yeah, pretty straightforward. Yeah, well,
0: looking at the age specifically it seems like again go touching on that point that we talked about earlier about uh brands is um you know bringing in of the younger players and players that can seem to contribute to this team for a while even though we obviously have Gilfy up there um i don't think the backup is going to be uh, a a player that is of an older age anyway i think we'll probably if we do go after someone we'll probably go after someone a little younger than Najri to begin with but just sticking in the center of this midfield, uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about, you know, Gomez and who he could replace, whether it be Davies or, or some of these, uh, other players that have been rotating with Ghana. But there is some news on Ghana, specifically him possibly getting injured. I think it's a little bit up in the air whether we really know much about this. But Chris, do you want to expand and, 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 you know, really tell us what you know and what you think it could possibly be? Yeah, so it appeared that
1: um, in an – I think it was an African Cup of Nations qualifier um, over the weekend, he picked up an ankle injury, and I think he tried to play through it a little bit and just couldn't. And I don't know if uh, Senegal took him out as a precautionary measure or if he really just couldn't go, but uh, that's not good because Ghana is obviously one of our best players and kind of the fulcrum of that midfield, especially now that um, Morgan Schneiderlin isn't playing as often. I would be – inclined to give him a rest on uh, Sunday upcoming, given the the competition that we're going to face, you know, uh, Crystal Palace's midfield doesn't exactly make me lose any sleep. And, uh, with as well as Tom's been playing and Schneiderlin's going to be rested and Gomes will be available. I think, um, maybe allowing Ghana to get that ankle fully, fully right would be, would be the best solution for me.
4: Yeah. And I'm, um, I'm in agreement. Um, you know, I, I think, unless it's really, you know, a non-starter, uh, probably better, better safe than sorry. Um, again, you, you come back to the same issue, whether it's, uh, not issue question, uh, whether it's Schneiderlin or, uh, Andre in the the center midfield there, uh, about how that impacts the style of play. Um, hopefully whatever the, uh, the situation is, uh, the Everton staff and, and Marco Silva have already been appraised of it. And they, they've already got a pretty good idea of uh whether or not he can go just because I, if it's going to be such that they're not going to use him, I would want them to have uh, the full week or even, even a little bit longer than a week, given when the injury seemed to have happened Uh just to be able to prepare to play a little bit differently, because obviously he's such an important player in the center of that midfield. But I think given the time to, Adjust the tactics and and just get everybody on the same page. Uh, you would hope that you could beat Palace without him, either way.
0: Yeah, I, I agree on that. And you know we got to get him, you know, healthy because he is such an important part of this team. And you know it always seems that during these international breaks we end up getting somebody injured at their on international duty, and always we can't we can't come out unscathed. And a player who has been injured on international duty more than once, Seamus Coleman seemingly about to be coming back from injury but did join up with the Ireland squad this uh oh, this international break and guys famous. i think we could just stay away stay away from <laughs> Martin O'Neill man <laughs> just stay away from the team in general that field anywhere over there just just stop yeah. we
1: we just have the worst luck with Republic of Ireland players Getting hurt on international duty. I'm a little bit surprised that Martin O'Neill didn't call up James McCarthy with his broken leg.
4: <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, shit. Martin O'Neill is just, uh, a waste of space. No. Is really all I, all I can say about that. No. Uh, obviously he's not, he's not actually, you know, Coleman is not somebody that, uh, that is really gonna, gonna be playing. Uh, oh. This week, but uh, I wouldn't want if I was Seamus, just on a personal level. I wouldn't want to have to go anywhere near Mar, anywhere near uh, Martin O'Neill because I don't know he's just got a punchable face, really.
1: Yeah, the only time, <laughs> Martin O'Neill is so insufferable that the he made me enjoy Ronald Ko- Koeman talking in the press conference when Ronald was just like, "You need to stay away from my players. You need to leave James McCarthy at home, please."
4: You know uh, you just- what I will say about Martin O'Neill. Uh, is that I've got his Wikipedia page open right now, uh, and anybody who's got a controversies tab on their Wikipedia page, usually a guy you want to stay away from. Uh,
0: <laughs> and, oh yeah. uh, that's that's our that's our friend Martin. Yeah, it's it, oh god, it the it feels like every time a play like if a player's injured, the minute that he gets cleared, he's getting called up to that Ireland squad, whether. He just came off a broken leg or he just came off, like, a simple injury. Like I fully it, it expect
1: James McCarthy to get the call in November to Ireland. I don't even think there's a question. He's been oh, trained yeah. for Everton.
0: Yeah, 100 yeah. Oh,
1: absolutely. <laughs> absolutely.
0: Guys, let's just finish this off by talking about uh, – oh, I, I guess we want to talk about this. The U.S. men's national team specifically focused in on one of our guys, Anthony Robinson, getting uh, smoked again. On international duty uh for the u s team Adam, you want to start us off with this uh, boy really... I, would,
4: I would love to start us off with this. Let me tell you <laughs> um so uh you know I caught some of that that match and and the thing that that caught my eye kind of just going over it after it was over was a tweet by matt doyle who who writes for uh for major league soccer here in the states, but he also uh he does stuff for the national team for m l s and and so on and so forth. Uh, basically tweeted something to the effect of, you know, I'm, I'm mystified at, um, at how bad he is in one on one defending, uh, how bad his body shape is, how bad his understanding of what's going on around him is, uh, you know, for a guy who comes out of a relatively well respected academy. Um, and I tweeted back at him because it's true, you know, uh, for whatever reason, yes, uh, it, it is true that our academy is, is generally pretty well regarded. But I mean, this is not the first time at all that we've heard a story about an Everton Academy product come, uh, uh, that's a defender starting to move toward senior level and just looking like a deer in the headlights. Uh, you know, and, and you can list off, you can list off five right away. Uh, Robinson, Holgate, Pennington, Browning, and Galloway. And that's just in the last, what, three years? Uh, and that doesn't include, uh, doesn't include Luke Garbutt. Uh, I'm sure I could come up with more if I tried to dig into it. Uh, and, and it's, it's just mystifying to me that this many defense, uh, defensive, uh, prospects have, have come up so highly regarded and yet still seem to lack just the basic, basic understanding of how to read plays and how to position themselves once they get to the, the senior team level.
0: Yeah, I was about to say, all those players are defensive players. So that just says something about just how poor uh, our, the the staff is. I mean, we talked about this in length um, on multiple podcasts earlier on in this podcast. Yeah, I was biting my
4: tongue when you guys were, uh, were talking about, uh, who was it? Who was the defender? Or maybe it was Holgate again.
0: Um, uh, we are talking about, we talked about Feeney and, and yeah. you know, him and, and then Pennington and Browning came up in the conversation too. But it is – it's – you know, we have so much promise in this youth team. And and it just feels like, you know, even – especially for Robinson because us here, we're United States men's national team fans too. So we want to see him do good not only for the club but for the national team, get a left back in there. And it's just, you know, a performance like this is just disappointing.
1: Well, it to me, it, it feels almost irresponsible to continuously – I don't want to use the word ruin because they're still so young and that kind of thing, but uh, handicap these players' development with not – and obviously I'm not at the training ground, but I can only assume they're just not getting instructed properly tactically because Anthony Robinson does not have an understanding of when he needs to go forward – what space he needs to fill when he needs to track back. You know, he, one of the things from the United States against Columbia game was that John Brooks, who's one of the, the, the team's best players had a horrible game and you look at it and he's playing that left center back side next to Anthony Robinson and having to cover for him over and over again. And I get that, you know, Robinson has played now within the last couple of months against Douglas Costa. He's now played against James Rodriguez and Juan Cuadrado and, that's a tough assignment for anybody. But with somebody who's been this highly regarded, I still would have liked to have seen a little bit more and not seen what I perceive to be as kind of backtracking in his progress.
0: Yeah. And, and it's, you know, he has so much going forward and you're excited about that. All is, is, you know, momentum as he, he goes forward, he's got great passing ability. He, he can well, get that forward. The, and yeah, that's the, the
1: thing. thing. He had an assist in that game, if I remember correctly. I didn't Correct. watch.
4: Yeah. You know. I don't remember if it was the first or second goal, but he definitely, you know, it's a bombing run forward. He gets a ball into the box and a U.S. player got onto the end of it and put it in the back of the net. So, you know, it's yeah. it's there. And, you know, and, and as as you've rightly said, you know, you know that this conversation is one that we primarily have about defensive players or players' uh, defensive abilities and and awareness when we're talking about uh midfielders like we have with with Tom Davis you know the the more attacking players you know we're talking about Fraser Hornby as you guys had been earlier who was showing well on the international stage and obviously Dom and Adamoila and so on and, and so forth where okay you know those guys have have developed into something uh but it, it the the last player that you could argue has come that has come out of the Everton Academy who is a defender and made a significant contribution to uh to the Everton senior team. Is it Leighton Baines?
1: Leighton Baines came from Wigan. He and, yeah, um,
4: and he spent some time in the Everton Academy, but also at, at at Wigan. And if it's not him, you know, uh Jags came from Sheffield, uh, and you think about the guys who have kind
1: probably of who, who were uh, Sorry to interrupt you. I was just going to get this name out there. It's probably Tony Hibbert,
4: right? It is Tony Hibbert. It's got to be because you think about all the center backs, you know, Bainesy's been the, the left back for the last decade and you think about the center backs and it's kind of been a rotating cast. The guys who've come in in their late twenties or early thirties to just kind of anchor it down alongside Jackson. We don't have anybody else. You think about guys like Sylvan Distin and, uh, uh, John Alcaraz. Hed- Alcaraz, Ashley Williams, you know, and all of whom were various levels of useless to pretty okay um but the reason John, that, that has had to yeah. continue to be the the modus operandi is because we can't seem to develop a defender ourselves.
1: John Stones
4: John also Stones also
1: did not come from Everton, came from uh, Barnsley. Barnsley.
4: Mm-hmm. Just to
1: yeah. just to put a I know we need to wrap up here and just to put a bow on the Anthony Robinson uh, discussion. If I'm Lucas Denier, I'm not super worried Really, <laughs> <laughs> moving forward,
0: yeah, and yeah, and that's that's the shame of it all is that Robinson could provide competition, which, as we all know, only makes the players better um and and just disappointing overall so far, but again, all still very young, and hopefully, as time goes on they're they're learning and and specifically figuring out those defensive responsibilities and and really growing in that aspect, but guys, as always. It's been great it's been great talking to you guys. Um international break is almost over so we get back to some club football oh, this weekend. God. I I know I, I feel the same way as I'm sure many of uh, our listeners do. Uh, we'll get back to some Everton football hopefully going for a th- well, we're going for a third win uh in the league in a row and hopefully getting that on Saturday against Palace. Guys, thanks for joining us. I hope Robert we'll gets the flu. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) That would definitely help all of us out uh, um, on Saturday in terms of our nerves going into this one. But, guys, thanks for coming out and talking with me. To our listeners, thanks for listening. As always, make sure to follow us on Twitter and keep listening to us week in and week out. We'll talk to you guys soon.